Hey everybody, I'm Beth Davis and welcome to Teachable Tuesday where every week we discover God's heart and are changed by his word. We are in week five of our series on discipleship. We're doing a deep dive on Psalm 23. I'm so glad you're here. So glad you're joining us. Whether this is your first week or your fifth week, welcome friend. Uh, let's read and pray together. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit. Oh, Lord, send us your Spirit afresh. Renew us in your love. We ask for um, a special attentiveness, Lord, to your presence with us right now in the room where we are, Lord that we would perceive that you are really with us, in us and around us, sustaining us, Lord, delighting in us. Plant this, your word, as a seed in our hearts, Lord, and bring it to fruition unto eternal life. Thank you, Jesus. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in right paths for his namesake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord my whole life long. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Week five, we're talking about verse five. So let me ask you, what is the best meal you've ever eaten? I'll go first. Uh, my best meal, my favorite meal uh, happened about um, four years ago now. I was in Ireland for the very first time with a very small retreat team, me and Jenna and Father Parks, our ministry's spiritual advisor, and uh, a dear friend and writer, Dr. Mary Ruth Hackett. And we had gone there <laughs> really with a lot of faith and a lot of pluck, like what were these um, four people gonna do to bring this retreat to another country? We really stepped out, and it turns out that we were hosting this retreat over American Thanksgiving. Now, of course, in Ireland, they weren't celebrating Thanksgiving, but our hosts were so gracious to us. Uh, they made a reservation at a really beautiful cafe. And when we arrived, we had a late dinner reservation, you know, eating very European style. <laughs> and we arrived and uh, we had this beautiful, big round table with this gorgeous overflowing centerpiece in the middle and candles lit. We ordered wine, we got appetizers, we ordered like the big entrees, like the adult entrees. We're eating off of each other's plates and laughing and talking and uh, just went around and, and shared what we were grateful for. Um, 
especially uh, grateful for what the Lord had done in our lives. It was a perfect evening. It was a perfect meal. And the thing is, even though I remember that we ordered wine and we had some appetizers and we had those fancy entrees, I couldn't tell you what we ate <laughs> because that meal was special, not only because the food was delicious, but it was the company, it was the atmosphere. And I wonder if you can relate. Think back, what, what has been your most memorable meal? And what made it so special? Was it the food? I hope it was incredible. Maybe it was prepping the food, all of your family in the kitchen. Maybe you made a, a traditional dish that's special to your family um, or, or um, to your heritage. Maybe it was the company. Maybe it's that it was so unexpected. Maybe it was the atmosphere. I am big on atmosphere. I want to have an experience when I eat my meals, especially when I go out. Meals matter, don't they? And they matter not just because we have to eat, right? We need to eat every day, multiple times a day to be nourished physically. They, they matter spiritually. Meals matter relationally. And that's what I want to uh, kind of explore with you today because we read about these meals, these uh, life-changing, life-giving meals in Psalm 23. Now, we've been talking about Psalm 23 just one verse a week, and that's been plenty. One verse a week for the past five weeks, and we'll wrap up with week six, verse six next week. But what we've been talking about, what we've been discovering is what it looks like to live as a disciple of Jesus Christ. And as far as I can tell, the movement of the whole Christian life can be found in Psalm 23. We can learn how to live, how to walk as a disciple from Psalm 23, how to follow Jesus, the good shepherd in Psalm 23. And this isn't just for a few people. This is really the pattern for the life of every Christian. In verse one, we, uh, we encountered Jesus, the good shepherd, and uh, we received this promise, um, this confidence that with him, we lack nothing. In verse two, we entered into his rest. He led us, right? We entered into this relationship with the good shepherd and then he led us into his rest. And we discovered that this is our primary posture. I mean, this is the first stop on the Christian journey is into green pastures and walking beside still waters, that our primary posture is a, uh, is safe, is secure, that we're refreshed because we're taken care of by the Good Shepherd. Here he takes over and we just get to follow. We drink of that deeply and we rest in those green pastures in verse two. Verse three, we talked all about following Jesus along right paths for his namesake. That means that when we follow his lead, it works out not only for our good, because he always has our best in mind, our highest good in mind, but also for his glory. That ultimately everywhere the good shepherd leads us is unto his glory. So these right paths, the paths that you're on right now, if you're following the good shepherd are for your sanctification, your holiness, your healing, your joy, and for his 
glory. And then this last week, we talked about even in our suffering, how the Good Shepherd never abandons us, that we're never alone when we follow Jesus, that he accompanies us and we're accompanying him. It's not a distant or a disconnected kind of following and he just expects us to keep up, but that he's actually with us in every moment of our lives. And this week, we're gonna zoom in on verse five. We're gonna talk about that table. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. And next week, well, this is a little preview. Next week, we're gonna talk about belonging forever to him, to his family, and in his kingdom forevermore. Woo, can't wait for week six, but stay with me here. Verse five, there's a lot to it. Verse five, we're gonna talk about how the shepherd chooses us, how he celebrates us, how his favor is on us. Now, hang on, how is that possible? Why is it that he's anointing our head with oil and laying this table before us? How can our cup be overflowing? Weren't we just in the dark valley? Let's read the verse again. Psalm 23, verse five, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. And you know, even as I'm, I'm reading this, I just sense the Holy Spirit wanting to pause, wanting to move slowly through these verses. And I wanna ask you, um, what image, what line in this verse really speaks to you? I want you to listen to the voice of the Good Shepherd within. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? Is he asking you uh, to listen to that promise, to, to notice the feast laying before you, even in the presence of your enemies? Does he wanna to talk to you about how you're anointed, how he's pouring out this oil of chosenness, of favor, of protection? Is he sealing you in the Holy Spirit or maybe Maybe it's that image of a cup overflowing, the generosity of God. Listen to the Holy Spirit, and, and I'm gonna share with you what he's put on my heart, uh, but I want you, first of all, to be listening to the voice of the Good Shepherd in your life. Okay, now, now picking up with where I left that thought off a moment ago, last week, one verse ago, we were in the midst of a dark valley. Uh, and we talked about the different kinds of valleys that we walk through in our lives, suffering and fear, anxiety, doubt, um, loss, grief. How is it that we're walking out of the dark valley and suddenly here is a table <laughs> lying before us. We were in that valley of mourning, of grief, of fear, and yet here is a table, a feast laid out before us. Well, it's interesting to note a couple of things here. Uh, if we understand uh, the Jewish grieving or, or mourning practice, that when a person comes out of that mourning period, they, their head is anointed with oil. It's a symbolic gesture. They're anointed with the oil of gladness in place of that darkness, that heaviness, that mantle of grief that they've been carrying it's beginning to lift with that oil of gladness. You read about that 
in Psalm 61, that incredible exchange, uh, mourning for the oil of gladness, beauty for ashes. You remember that, Isaiah 61? And so this is what we're entering into here. We're, we're taking off the sackcloth, um, that heaviness, that grief is being lifted from us. And God is anointing our heads with the oil of gladness. He's inviting us into a season of celebration. We're coming into a party, a feast. This is extravagant, laying before us this feast. And notice it says, even in the presence of my enemies. Now, there's a tension there, right? Is that that the victory is won and now God is celebrating us in the midst of, of all of the enemies that have been defeated? Yes. But is it too an invitation to celebrate, to rest, to feast in the middle of the fight? You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Is it possible to enter in <laughs> to feasting, uh, to, to anointing, to generous, extravagant love, this wine overflowing in the presence of our enemies, in the midst of a battle? So maybe, yes, we've walked out of a, a dark valley, but maybe we're still surrounded by our enemies. Things didn't resolve overnight right? And yet the Lord is with us. He enters into that, that grief and that fear. He enters into that moment and he nourishes us. Do you hear this, this language of celebration in verse five? This is our inheritance, this nourishing. He lays a feast before us. We're eating food. Uh, he anoints our head with oil. So there's the oil. We are celebrated in, in an extravagant way. The cup is overflowing. The, the wine often in scripture is referring to uh, divine love. <laughs> divine love, the overflowing eternal uh, love, the perfect and pure love of God overflowing. Uh, we can never drink to the bottom of that. That's our inheritance food and oil and wine, nourishing, anointing, celebrating. It's more than just provision. It's more than just getting by. It's this promise of feasting. It's a, a visible sign of God's favor on our lives. When he lays his hand on you to anoint your head with oil, he's laying his hand on you, blessing you, choosing you, favoring you. The Lord delights in you. He's celebrating you right now. He, he's showing you his favor and he's blessing you right now. We're going to ask the Holy Spirit to lift that veil of mourning that's been over some of our eyes. We're going to ask him to lift that veil and exchange it for the oil of gladness right now, God, that you would extend your hand right now and lay it upon our heads and anoint our heads with gladness, the oil of of gladness. Let it drip down, Lord. Not a little bit of an oil, extravagant oil, not a little bit of wine, uh, not a little bit of divine love, God, but overflowing divine love. That's what we're being offered uh, in Psalm 23. That's the inheritance uh, for the disciple of Jesus Christ. So when our enemies surround us, when we've walked out of that dark valley and maybe we're battle weary, maybe Maybe we're 
exhausted or, or shell-shocked. I, I don't know what you've been walking through, but I can say with certainty that each of us have walked through some collective trauma in the past few years. And, and as we come out, and Jesus is even right now lifting that veil of mourning, I want to invite you to start coming into prayer, not to fight, right? We're fighting in all of these other places in our lives. We're, we're having to, to provide for ourselves and look out and, and make decisions and get to different places. I want to invite you when you come into prayer to go into prayer and feast. That's the invitation of verse 5. You prepare a table before me. In the presence of my enemies, they're there, but I'm going to feast anyway. He anoints our head with oil. Our cup overflows. I want these images to take deep root. That's why I'm saying them again and again, to take deep root. They speak deep things to our souls. Um, the, the word of God, remember, is living and active. So I'm, I'm just asking the Holy Spirit to bring those to life in your own heart right now. So we fight uh, not by begging, not by pleading, uh, right? Not through blood, sweat, and tears. Jesus, actually, he bled and he sweat and he cried in the agony. The battle has been won. He's won the victory. So if we're in the presence of our enemies, we already have the victory. When we come into prayer, we want to align with that victory. We, we go to prayer to feast. If there's a fight going on in your life, if there's a fight for your children, for your marriage, for your country, for your own soul. Come into prayer. Fight by going to the feast. Fight by feasting. Praise him. Feast on his goodness. Thank him. Come into his courts uh, with praise. Enter his courts with praise and his gates. No, nope. enter his gates with thanks and his courts. I'm mixing it up. Courts. Praise, thanksgiving. It was on my heart. You know what I mean? I should have written it down. You can Google it. Enter his gates with praise and his courts with thanksgiving. Jesus, help me. Anyway, you hear what I'm saying. I want you to come into prayer and enjoy him. Enjoy him. I want you to enter into that celebratory, that favored, that overflowing atmosphere in prayer. Not coming in defeated and and beat up. I want you to come and rest. Remember that um, for the, the Jews, when they ate, uh, when they came to table, they were on the ground. They weren't in chairs. They actually reclined to eat. So when we come into feast, we relax. We lean back. We rest in his presence and we're nourished and we're anointed and we're blessed by this overflowing divine love. Now, I want to make this really practical. Although I think that little tip there, coming into prayer uh, with an attitude of feasting rather than fighting, I think that's pretty practical. But, you know, we are embodied creatures. And so I want to make this very tangible, very human. Meals matter, right? Spiritually, relationally, emotionally. Hangry anyone, right? Emotionally, meals matter. And physically, they matter. And so I want you to come back to the physical, tangible reality of meals. We've, we've lost this tradition. We're moving so fast as a culture. Uh, I wonder how often you sit down and have dinner with someone that you love. How often do you um, light a candle, put on some music, 
put away your phones, turn off the TV, and, um, and sit at table. This um, summer I visited some friends in Scotland and I was actually fasting. Uh, I was doing a fast um, for an extended period of time and as I came into their home, you know, there were a lot of logistics. I was overseas and, and it's a pretty limited fast, which I was grateful to be doing. I, I wanted, I, I wanted to, to sacrifice. I, I wanted to discipline myself. But as I came into my friend's home to visit them, I just felt the Lord bring this scripture to mind, you know, to, to eat whatever is placed before me. And I'm so grateful for that word because I feasted with my friends and their children. Every night, uh, we hung around in the kitchen together and talked and, you know, snacked, like nibbled on things. And um, then we sat with their children and laughed and ate a really delicious meal every night. Then we kind of hung around and cleaned up and talked. We had these long lingering dinners and it fed me deeply. Uh, not just physically was I nourished going from this fast where I was definitely eating enough <laughs> and eating healthily, um, but I, I was nourished and I feasted emotionally, uh, relationally, spiritually, I was fed. And so I wanna invite you just once a week, once a week, especially to you gals who live alone, maybe you college students who are on the run all of the time, maybe your children are out of the house. I don't know what that looks like for you, but have dinner once a week with someone that you love. Now for me, living alone, single gal, um, I felt this invitation from the Lord and I have tried to schedule with friends and it happens a lot of the time, but ministry schedules are kind of funky at times. and. And so I felt the Lord invite me to have dinner with him. So more than once a week typically, but at least once a week, I have dinner with Jesus in my house. And I put on our favorite playlist. It's called Dinner for Two. Maybe I'll share it in stories or something. Um, and I light a candle and I set out two placemats. And I ask Jesus what he wants to drink. Maybe that sounds silly, but it's been so life-giving for me to to express his ever presence. He's always with us, but to actually put out a plate with him and to have dinner with him, not just be staring at my phone or, or, or standing and eating and doing something else, right? Not just getting something fast and, and um, moving through the day and missing these moments. I'm nourished by the time, the quality time that I have with the Lord, just eating with him once a week. The good shepherd, he feeds his sheep. What kind of shepherd would he be if he didn't feed his sheep? And this is not only true in a, an abstract way, a spiritual way, this is true physically, tangibly, realistically. We are nourished by the body and blood of Jesus Christ in the Eucharist. Pope Benedict XVI, in, in a homily about Psalm 23, he said, He, Jesus, is the generous host who welcomes us and rescues us from our enemies, preparing for us the table of his body and his blood and the definitive table of the messianic banquet in heaven. So it's both and. It's both and. It's, it's coming around the table of the Eucharist 
being fed by his body and blood here on earth, anticipating that eternal wedding banquet that you and I will enter into um, sooner uh, sooner rather than later, right? We're getting closer to being with Jesus every single day. So let's anticipate that now. Let's have dinner with him. Let's eat of his body. Not only every Sunday, but I want to extend you the invitation to go to daily mass just once a week. Once a week, can you come to the Eucharistic table and be fed? Come to the Eucharistic table, be nourished, be anointed. Come to the Eucharistic table and drink of that overflowing chalice of his divine love. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Spirit, amen. Jesus, thank you for the feast of your body and blood. Thank you for your love. Draw us more deeply into this mystery. Nourish us. Heal us choose us, celebrate us. God, I pray that every uh, woman, every person watching would experience the intimacy, the beauty, the depth of your union with our souls in the Eucharist. Increase Eucharistic devotion, Jesus. We ask for that grace. We can't even believe without your help. ask you to refresh, to nourish, anoint, and celebrate each and every woman, each and every person watching, Lord. We bless you. We praise you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you, friends. See you next week. Bye. <laughs>